him laugh, make him laugh. Bet you all tired of hearing the constant blather. In the end, you just want to know that laughing matters. From entrepreneurs to Fortune 500, humor makes the world go round. You didn't know? It's a fit for a throw, like a roll with spaghetti. To keep your culture light when times are heavy. So sit back and relax as you raise the bar. When it all comes down to the ha, ha, ha. Yeah, make him laugh, make him laugh, huh? You make him laugh, make him laugh. Welcome to Laughing Matters, a podcast like no other. It's it's unique out in the world. It's uh, it's still fresh and new. So glad to be here with you all today. Uh, we are exploring the power of humor and laughter in a world that's sorely lacking both and how leaders from all walks of life use humor to take the edge off. And I'm your host, Paul Merchan, Senior Vice President at Peppercom. I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful co-host, CEO of Peppercom, Steve Cody. Hi, Steve. Uh, I wouldn't use the word wonderful, but hi, Paul. Good to see you, man. And, and thank uh, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, love it that we were able to survive another week together, Steve. Uh, but today we are really pleased to have uh, a guest with us who is a seasoned journalist and someone who has been writing for over 40 years. That's, uh, that's quite, quite, the, uh, quite the resume there. Long before writing was even called content. And he's also been working in the digital world since what they call it the Wild West days of the 1990s. He's the executive editor of Content Strategies at Inc. Media. We'd like to welcome John Gelberg. Hello, John. Thank you. That was a very nice. And if there's any chance that you can take your Yankee hat off, I'd really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank oh. you for that, John. Thank you. I'm a Mets fan. I find that highly offensive. Well, I, I always wear it just to rub it into Steve. But uh, who's your team, John? Oh, no, no. I, I, I go back with the Mets. And this is really going to age me since 1964 was my first Met game. Nice. Nice. Lose that hat, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It, it, it creates a, a comic tension when you have. Exactly. That. Exactly. Especially because we're, uh, both of our teams are way out of it at this point. So uh, well, the Mets is more so. Ours is more out of it than yours, yes. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, well, John, well, thank, thanks so much again for being with us. Um, we wanted to start by talking about something that is unique about you, and, and many people might not know this about you, but when you're not writing and editing for Inc. Magazine, you're actually a comedian. So it's quite the side gig to have. So we wanted to ask you a little bit about that, how you got involved in comedy, and how you use it to take the edge off in what we imagine is a very stressful job. Uh, the job's incredibly stressful, thank you. Uh, we just had our biggest event of the year, uh, the Inc. 5000, uh, which is usually at a beautiful resort, somewhere warm, but it's been um, remote for the last two years, but I think we did a terrific job. Uh, but as far as the comedy, I started, and here again, I'm going to age myself, uh, in the late 70s. Uh, uh, when I was in college, I, did to, I needed to make money. And I had no other talents. Uh, people seemed to think I was funny. So I did stand-up comedy and I did juggling. And I'd put my hat on the street and any way I could make a few bucks, uh, it was great. Uh, and I did it through 1983 was my last gig. And then I had like a 35-year retirement. Uh, I was then at a networking event and I was talking to someone who was who had taken this class uh, with the Caroline's Comedy School, and all of a sudden the spark hit again, and I joined it, and I've been back in comedy for the last five years or so. That's awesome. Now, do you still juggle? Very important question. 
Um, not as well as I used to. I used to be pretty good eating apples going behind my back. Um, I, I, but I would also, I knew that I wasn't a great juggler. So I was able to build in dropping the balls as part of the routine. Right. Yes, yes, that's good. I've, I've seen people do that. And you know what? That's also, it, it plays into the, the whole vulnerability aspect of, of comedy, which which I'm sure you're, you're really familiar with. Yeah, I'm horribly vulnerable. So, <laughs> John, I, I'm curious, uh, you know, uh, we, every comedian has a different approach in terms of the content he or she uses. You know, I, I tend to concentrate on things that piss me off, like the Mets and the Jets who are constantly losing, United Airlines, which is constantly canceling or delaying flights, New Jersey Transit, which is the the train from hell. Um, Where do you draw your content from? Um, It's completely different from when I started. You know, back then, you know, it was all about doing impressions, you know, and doing jokes. And comedy has really evolved. Uh, You got to kind of open your heart and you have to be vulnerable and you have to Tell people what matters to you. Uh, so currently, you know, a lot of it, you know, is around aging mm-hmm. and, and our bodily failures and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and dealing with young people, you know, those issues. So that's really uh, the last title for my routine was Sixty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a big difference between Sixty Shades and Fifty <laughs> So, you know, so that's those are the kinds of things. Beautiful. And that's the authenticity, right? That's that's what an audience will, will respond to, the authenticity. And that you're just sharing what it's like, the aging process. There's no upside to it. It's how quickly it affects you and, 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 and in what ways it affects you. And dealing with young people like Paul is a pain in the ass. That's right. That's 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 our whole purpose in life is to just really grieve, grieve you guys. Um, but uh, John, I want to ask you, you've performed in some of the most famous uh, comedy clubs in New York, Greenwich Village, Carolines, you mentioned, right, Dangerfields. Tell us a little bit about your experience in each one of those. Um, have you had any encounters with famous comedians that you found particularly memorable? How, how's it gone for you? Um, I'll start with the last part. Um, going back to the 70s, I was bumped because the cast of Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live showed up. And took over the whole thing. And this was, you know, this is late 70s. This was very early on. And I was blown away. Uh, a little bit later, um, I was taking my wife to be to see me for the first time. And David Brenner knocked oh, me sure. over two hours. Uh, you know, it's just one of the great things about comedy clubs. And even when you're a relative beginner like myself, uh, people show up to tell, you know, to test new material. And you never know who's going to be there. And it's always an adventure. Yeah, that happened to, it happened to me. Chris Rock showed up and preempted the entire show. And it was just an amazing thing to sit there and watch him test new material. So it's a beautiful thing. And plus, you know, the other cool thing I found about stand-up comedy is you're performing with people from all sorts of, of different walks of lives, like former policemen, taxi drivers, college students, the kind of people you and I wouldn't interact with in the business world. Oh, no, a- absolutely. And if you look at my list of friends on Facebook, you know, you've got people, again, who never would have been in my you know, orbit before. But I love these people. And we, we all bring something different to the table. Yeah, it's a completely unique and refreshing experience. I'm always, you know, sky high after I perform. Even if I bombed, it's still a, a high. 
But um, speaking of, of performing and, and comedy, I, I wanted to talk business for a second. Obviously, you know, Inc. is all about entrepreneurs, small business owners, uh, you know, uh, uh, emerging growth companies, um, et cetera. So, um, you know, obviously it's a brutal time or, or maybe it's also a great time to be starting a business. But um, in terms of the interactions you've had with so many different business owners, have you seen some that stand out in terms of their ability to laugh at all of the uncertainty and the anxiety and the depression? The, the fact is, it, it is hard. It is really hard. And it's hard on your family. You're really putting yourself out there. And if you can't have a sense of humor, you're going to implode. I mean, it's really almost across the board, uh, especially when I would go to our events, uh, when we were still seeing each other face to face. Um, there's a lot of humor. There's a mm -hmm. lot of self-depreciation. Uh, there, there, there's You have to, because on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't know if you're going to survive. You don't know if you're going to be able to provide for your family. You don't know. And it's really important to have that. And if you can't laugh at yourself, if you can't see, you know, kind of the gallows humor in what you're doing, you're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Do you guys cover that at all in, in, oh, in a big way? In a big way. Okay. Um, we do a lot of things with emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. We do a lot with humor. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, ink may sound like a very hard business publication, but humor is a huge part of what we do. Is is that like something that from from the top down, like are most employees and leadership just open to that lighthearted approach, like kind of poking fun at each other? Um, our CEO was an actor comedian. Um, so when you go to our quarterly kind of team meetings, uh, it's, it's like a comedy routine, you know, a lot of serious stuff goes, but the, the idea is always to keep it light. Every new employee has got to reveal some embarrassing facts from their lives you know, and, and and it's great because from the day the day that you come in as a new employee, you know, you understand that humor is a part of what's going on. Yeah, that's very. I'm sorry, Paul. That's very similar to our culture. I'm curious with all of the the new minefields um, in terms of what you can say, what you can't say, um, what is appropriate, what it isn't appropriate. How do you um, how do you put up the the guardrails, if you will, within the 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 ink um, corporate culture in terms of what is and is not acceptable? Um, that's a hell of a question because a lot of it is generational. You know, a lot of it is um, what was acceptable, and not 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 in a bad way, but just kind of laughing at things. You know, we'll, we'll get to the whole woke culture. But you you have to be on guard. I am, you know, I, I hate to say there are things that I might say that, you know, that I know from my heart where it's coming from that I just won't. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, maybe my generation is wrong in a lot of ways, but it's something that I've had to adapt to. And I would, you know, there are things I just I won't say, you know. I won't, you know, there are employees I love, you don't hug people. You know, the, the world has changed and, you know, and, and it's something that you accept. Yeah, you either accept and adapt or you die. 
yeah. you know, pro- professionally. I mean, um, as Paul can attest, I'm a very different person than I was three or four years ago in terms of what I say and what I write, because like you, I've had to adapt. Yeah, no, it, it's just um, and there's nothing wrong with it. And and I do, you know, I've got two sons in their early 30s and we have these discussions all the time. And, you know, there are things that I have to adapt to and I have to kind of be introspective and think about. And, and um, Sorry, Dinah, what is uh, the, uh, the the type of humor that you are seeing uh, more prevalent with uh, with those us young whippersnappers, like uh, you, the ones that you see at Inc. or others, you know, like like your son? I mean, what, what are they focusing on more that that your generation wouldn't have? Um. Again, a hell of a question. Uh, I think the younger colleagues, and this will go to the the great things that are happening in the world, you know, the political issues, the health issues, um, are more willing to really get to the heart of the humor behind it, where I find some of these issues more painful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not offended by what they're saying, but they, they, they have a different perspective. Um, and, and I do think a lot of that comes with, with, with years of experience. And just again, with the, with the ink culture in particular, John, um, obviously you've talked about the fact your CEO um, embraces humor. Um, you do, um, your, your staff does, as long as advertisers are cool with it, I guess, externally in terms of your content, um, it's cool to talk about the importance of humor, et cetera. Um, has there been an instance where you pushed the envelope or, or saw yourself in terms of um, saying this was OK to do or, you know, experimented a little bit in this in this world of minefields? Sure. What I create or we, we call them content palettes. And they're usually in the alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll throw out the more outrageous and then I'll have a more kind of conservative approach. Um, and, you know, I, I've found that, you know, advertisers are very much on edge and, you know, would love to do a little bit more outrageous, but kind of back off, um, mm-hmm. Inc, Inc's sister fast company will, and people will tend under fast company to be a little bit more out there than Inc. So it depends on who's doing what and who's doing, you know, when. And then, uh, John, I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned earlier about your uh, meetings at, at Inc. And sometimes you'll be asked to share some embarrassing story. We, we love to ask about embarrassing stories here on Laughing Matters. Steve has a, a, a ton of them. Um, and we wanted to see if you could tell us about a Laughing Matter that helped to shape you as a person today. So this could be a cringeworthy moment that happened uh, that you can laugh at now. Uh, that helped to make you more open to self-deprecating humor. Could have been in your childhood, adolescence, uh, work life. Um, see if you can share one example with us. I'll, I'll share two. Okay. <laughs> I lost to a guy named Biff on Wheel of Fortune. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which was very humbling. I went bankrupt twice, and I couldn't come up with combustible materials. This is years ago, and it's still, as you can see, it still gnaws at me. Um, you know, on a, on a more human level, um, 
I was given six months to live 16 years ago. Um, wow. Really bad diagnosis, but I've had a neurological disease similar to MS, you know, for the last 16 years. And when you face those issues, uh, you know, some people get depressed. You know, I just force myself to go in the other direction. And it teaches you a lot. And, and it, you know, I don't want to get overly serious here. This is a laughing matters. But when you deal with your own mortality, mm. you know, you, you, you appreciate every day. You find the humor in things. And, and you move forward. That's, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you to sum up, you know, your philosophy, but you, you just did. <laughs> you just did. Just in terms, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, small business owners in particular, um, what, what, what messages, I mean, you know, what, what are the ingredients for success if one were to hang out a virtual shingle on Monday? Okay. Um, there, are, there are several. One, have something that no one else has, which is hard. Two, if someone else has something that you want to do, be better at it, be less expensive at it, um, and be willing to outwork the competition. You know, it, it, it's, it's, you know it, it's like any, it's like sports. If you are willing to put yourself out there and you know, you know, and 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 basically kill. That's what's going to be successful. Um, and then there's a huge element that I haven't mentioned: luck. It's just timing. There's luck. Uh, you know, I love going to our, you know, again our flagship event thing, five thousand, and just talking with these crazy Type A people. And they're great. They are so passionate. They are so driven. And the most important is that they love their people. You know, and that, you know, when they can inspire their teams to greatness, you know, it's really exciting. It's really inspiring. You know, even when we've had our virtual event this past week, we have networking sessions and you listen to people talking and it's like, wow, you know, I'd love to be that person. Awesome, John. Well, we really appreciate all the all the great stories you had. I don't know, if Steve, you had anything else you want to end with? Well, I, I'd like to know. I'd like to know when John is performing again uh, live, because I'd love to come out and watch you, John. Are you still going out to Carolines and other places? Um, I've been laying low, and as a matter of fact, uh, starting November 9th, I'm going back to Carolines Comedy School just to test that my new material from COVID, uh, but. I, you know, I'm on one of these groups on Facebook and there are open mics every night and it's, I think I'm ready. I think I'm going to go back and do those ahead of time. I'm going to test my material before I dare get in front of you because you, you intimidate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do that to many people. That's I, I, yeah, John, thank you so much. Paul, do you want to do the wrap up? All right. Well, thank you again, John. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Laughing Matters. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you.